Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 97 of Yogaland. We are continuing on this week with more questions, more Q&A with Jason. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Can I be on episode 100? Oh my gosh, yes, totally. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. And I'm glad you're thinking about this because I feel like other podcasters do special extravaganzas for number 100 and and I'm not there yet. So Whatever. Don't think about other podcasters. (laughs) That's like looking at other people on social media. It only gets you into trouble. Oh, I know. I know. I just enjoy actually listening to other podcasters. I know. I I forget. I'm I'm being difficult. I'm so excited that you are doing a foundational training again. You know, I had written them off. The, the foundation. I had sworn off 200 hour training. So I, and Laura brought me back. Laura Burkhart. Laura Burkhart brought me back. She is one of my favorite people. Likewise. So I'm really excited. I actually want to have her on the podcast soon. Yeah. So the reason I had sworn it off was I just see there's such a need for continuing education. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to put all of my resources into 300 hour programs because I just know that like... 200 hours is sort of enough time to figure out what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard. They're just so short. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I was going to put all my resources into it. But she said, after a few years, she's pulled me back. So, you know what's cute? San Francisco she, this fall. You want to know something cute? She actually emailed me first. Did she? Yes. Yeah. She emailed me because she, she, I think she knew it would be a little bit of a tough sell. Yeah. For you. But I'm pumped. Yeah. So you two are doing a 200 hour training. It's when is it again? Sorry. This fall starts this in September fall, in San Francisco. 2018. It's like five weekends. Okay. And I set up a little bit.ly link to the information page that you could go to. So if you want to learn more, you can go to bit.ly slash Jason 200. Nice. Yeah. Take care. You like that, sweetie. Thank you. <laughs> so we've got some questions. We've got two questions from men today. I wanted to give the men a little yeah, attention out yeah. there. You know, us guys, we just don't get any attention. <laughs> Especially tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed white guys. Right? Yeah, not enough. Not enough. Not well, enough. but I do think, actually, I have to admit, I, on I'm the podcast. I'm not tall. I, we were at this thing the other night, and I was like, what's up with all these tall guys? We were at this thing. We were at our daughter's I don't know what it was all about. I don't know. They're it's all weird. grown men. Who knows? Well, I know. You know, I don't like to hang out with people that are taller and better looking. I guess not. And younger, too. Uh, Enough. Okay, so the first question comes from Andy. I'm assuming Andy Andy is a guy, although I could be called Andy as well. So Andy could be a woman. Andy says, I have a question regarding poses where the hands are interlaced behind the back, such as in forward bends. I struggle with keeping my hands interlaced for more than a few seconds before they slingshot apart. My wrists are always bent at a 90 degree angle. I see more seasoned yogis with straight wrists and their index fingers together and pointed. Do you have any suggestions for modifications to this pose while my shoulders and arms are this inflexible so I can work my way into it? I try using a strap, but I feel a lot of stress and overextension in my elbows. I think that is just such a great detailed question. So here's the deal, Andy. Yoga just probably isn't for you, bro. Oh, stop. I'm joking. No, the thing is, okay, so I want to say a couple of things. One, that we all say yoga is not about flexibility. Yoga is not about strength. Yoga is not about the posture. But I want to say as someone that has been relatively tight as a yoga practitioner for a long time and who was wicked tight 
early on. Yoga is super not fun without certain attributes. You know, so for people listening that don't know what it's like to be, to have a lot of motion restriction, I just want to say it is really frustrating. It's not only frustrating, it's really hard. Yoga is super, super, super difficult. Uh, Not yoga, but asana is really difficult when you have a lot of motion restriction because it's extremely fatiguing, right? When your muscles don't comply or when your soft tissues don't comply with the motions of a yoga pose, not only is it frustrating, but it's, it's really difficult and really fatiguing, okay? In this particular situation, you're doing the right thing, Andy. A, you're doing the right thing by doing yoga, okay? And I think that this is really important to remember for everyone out there that's a little bit tighter and everyone out there that teaches people that are a little bit tighter, which is yoga is a really good thing, although it is really frustrating. It's a really good thing for people that are a little bit tighter, and we need to continue to to talk that up. The situation of using the belt. Okay. There's two things. One, you can take your hands a little bit wider on the belt and two, you can bend the elbows a Mm -hmm. little bit. Okay. So that's going to be, that's going to be the thing. And, And one of the things that you might do, okay. When you're interlacing the fingers behind you, or in this situation, using the hands, all the belt behind you, especially if you're a novice, you can't see what's going on. So you're probably making some distortions at the elbow. You're probably making some distortions at the wrist that aren't favorable. So hold the belt out in front of you. Do exactly what you're going to do behind you in front of you first so that you can actually see what's going on, right? And when you do it, do a situation where you hold the belt out in front of you and then you raise the, the wrists up and you lower the wrists down and then figure out where it is where your wrists are in a more neutral position because wrist is a place that we tend to get off kilter with when we're holding a belt behind us. So you want to see it in front of you. The other thing is same thing with the elbows, right? When you hold the belt in front of you, just see that your elbows are a tiny bit bent and then repeat the same thing with the arms behind you. So the reason I'm asking people to do that in front of you is to see it, not because you'll get a benefit from the pose, but it's for orientation. And then when you take the arms back behind you again, remember what it felt like to have the the wrist in a more neutral position. Remember what it felt like to have the elbows a little bit bent. The other thing that you can do I would encourage that when the arms are behind you and you're holding a belt, that you're holding a belt with the palm facing forward, not with the back of the hands facing forward. When the palms are facing forward behind you, the arms are externally rotated. When the back of the hand is facing forward behind you, the arms are internally rotated. Both are reasonable, but you're going to get more benefit from the palms facing forward, so the arms being externally rotated. And again, if you're using a belt, keep taking the hands wide enough that you actually get the stretch in the front of the chest, shoulders, and maybe even in the bicep. Don't be surprised if when you get the belt in the right position with the hands facing forward, don't be surprised if you get a lot of stretch in the biceps themselves. 
or the muscle that lives under the bicep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just really quickly, since we only have two questions for this episode, yeah. are there any other poses you can suggest for Andy, like maybe laying over a block or something that might open up that area and make it easier to do this shoulder opener? In well, shoulders are really tough, okay? Yeah. Because there's just a lot of moving parts and parts that move in very idiosyncratic ways. One of the more helpful things to do if people have shoulder restriction is it's not really a yoga thing, but it works really well. And people in the physical therapy world usually refer to it as a wall clock, okay? So what you do is you stand with your, we'll say your right hip. You stand with your right hip facing the wall. You get pretty close to the wall and you reach your right arm straight up the wall as if you were taking your hand to 12 on a wall clock. And then you just reach the arm up, you press the hand firmly into the wall, take a few breaths. If you need less intensity, walk the feet a little bit away from the wall. If you need more intensity, walk a little closer to the wall. Do that for a couple breaths, then do the same thing, but the hands at one o'clock, do the same thing, hands at two o'clock, do the same thing, hands at three o'clock. This, in all likelihood, is going to be much more efficient than the forward bend with the belt behind you. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be something that you might do before class or after class or as a little bit of a home practice to mobilize the shoulder girdle. Great. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. Is a more high concept question than you yeah. Often... There's uh, there's only one question, but there's sort of a lot of questions in this. In the second, yeah, one. in the yeah. second one. So because you get into some like real fundamental concept and and belief system about how to do yoga consistently when it's hard. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask the question. Go for it. All right. So it says. I've been lifting weights with a personal trainer and doing CrossFit about five times a week for the past 10 years or so. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 It must be an amazing Yeah, totally. Fitness has always been fun for me. And then I decided to randomly attend my first yoga class this past summer and fell in love. I knew nothing about the practice and was as ignorant as a person could be. So like so many other men, I came in cold and had a lot to learn. So he's currently going to yoga studio for classes about three to four times a week, wants to grow in his practice, but he notices most of the classes are primarily attended by women. And many of the poses make me say, ouch, and input a ton of effort where everyone else around me seems to be folding forward in their pigeon pose effortlessly. All of this is to say, I've not yet been able to come upon content that comes from an expert and advises men on how to stick with it and grow, even when sometimes it's easy to feel like we as a gender kind of suck at this yoga thing <laughs> when compared to all of our bendy neighbors doing monkey pose with a smile beside us. I thought you'd be able to relate to this one really well. I'm totally able to relate. And first, I want to tell everyone that I graduated with a philosophy degree from a total liberal arts school. I'm a male with two strong women in my life. I work with women all the time. 
And I want to sort of couch something and sort of get something out of the way first, which is there are many men that are super flexible and there are many women that are super inflexible. But Brett's observations are largely accurate. The majority of practitioners in classes are women. You know, this has actually changed a lot. Actually, this has really changed for me over the years. I'd say in my San Francisco classes, I'm like 65, 35, like 35% men, which I'm stoked on. Yeah, like it's great. really, really, really great. Instead of like 5% men, it's like 35% men. So you feel like men. there are more men? There are more men than there used, used to, to be, be. Okay, by That's a long great. shot. And I mean, it's just a little bit anecdotal, but also I'll say like, the majority of the men that come to my classes are in really good shape. They're really strong. I know a bunch of them actually that do do CrossFit and they are super mobile. So you can be a guy and be flexible. You can be a guy that does a ton of weight training and be flexible. You can be a woman who this is not easy for. You can be a woman and... You can be inflexible. And that's probably really frustrating. If I if I was a male at the gym, I would probably be frustrated with weakness. If I was a woman in the yoga room, I might, I might be even more frustrated with being tight. I, I don't know if that's the case, but I, I can lend that sympathy. Do you think that that's yeah, a reasonable totally. thing? Yeah, totally. Okay. So to get all of that stuff out there first, okay? Something that I want to say, and I've... Uh, for me, this this might come as really, really strange, okay? And I don't know, but I'm just going to say it, which is there is still a part of me that even though I have practiced yoga and taught yoga for 20 years, there's still a part of me that feels mentally more comfortable with how my body is when I'm at the gym than when I'm in a yoga class. Because for me, I am still, and again, this, is, this isn't this is about yoga and philosophy. This is about my, my honest feeling and my honest body image, which is I have a greater strength to weight ratio than I have strength to range of motion ratio. So meaning when I'm at the gym and I'm doing mainly resistance training, I don't ever feel frustrated with my body. Never. Hmm. I am never frustrated with my body when I have weights in my hand. Never. But I do get frustrated with my body when I do forward bends, hmm. when I do certain side bends, when I do certain back bends to this day. So this is something that I continue to work with. But I think, but I just sort of want to, I just want to share that just to be transparent about body image cuz this is really about i think really the thing that the the heart of what Brett's getting at is our own sense of body image and our sense of esteem and our sense of comfort in a certain social environment and i think it's very difficult to feel comfortable and have a high esteem when you look like an outlier and the reality is if you're in a class with mainly mobile people and you are super tight, you are going to see yourself as an outlier. And then add to that, you're, the majority of the people are a different gender. Totally. Yeah. That Maybe that gets into gender stuff that might be even 
like less comfortable issues of the male being in a situation where the woman seems to More be dominant, physically yeah. dominant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which they are. Yeah. 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 Because that, that's a, that's like a whole, that's a whole nother level. That's probably for most guys doing yoga. If that is present, my guess is it's a very unconscious present thing. You know, like I don't think that I suffer from that. And if I do suffer from that, I think it's a very unconscious thing. I think it's more just about being the outlier. It's it's about being in a, in a social situation where you feel like you can't hang. Yeah. You know, or you feel like you don't have the ability and you f- just feel different. I think I think at the root of this, we can talk more about the technique of this, but I think at the root of this, it's about being in a social in a social context mm-hmm. where you feel like the outlier. And the beautiful thing about what Brett is writing here is everyone can identify with that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has been in a situation where they feel like the one not keeping up, where they feel like the one that has the blues where they feel like the one that everyone is seeing in a different light. That's really what, what this is. Well, I want to say, I mean, that's why when I got this question, I was so happy to get it because like, there's a lot of self-awareness in the question. And then I also just think it's really impressive that he's still going back. Like it's very hard to put yourself in a situation where you, even if it's just self-perceived. It is. It is just self-perceived. to go back and yeah. back and back. And I, I just genuinely appreciate men, the men who do yoga overall in general, because I don't, I think culturally it is a little softer than what our culture allows for in general, whether or not you're flexible. I, I just think, yeah. Yeah. And then I also appreciate men because I do see, I mean, I mostly saw it actually at yoga journal when we were, were in really, really, really small classes, like six to eight people. And there were some older men in the class and they, I could tell they were really struggling. And I have like a genuine deep appreciation for like men who keep with it and keep at it. And I want to add something to what you said when you said it's about being an outlier. I think it's also this, I don't know, this, this may be helpful for Brett and other people in the situation. It's also just that thing that we do to ourselves where it's, it's about comparison. Yes. And it's about having an expectation of ourselves that's based on comparing ourselves to others. And that's where I think yoga practice can be so helpful because you know, a lot of the questions I was looking through all the questions this morning and a lot of questions I get are like, I'm so, so close to the splits, Hanumanasana. I'm so, so close. And I've been this close for 10 years. Just how do I get the pose? Yeah. And the answer so. for me, and I, I'm sure people will disagree with me, but the answer for me to that question is you got the pose. You 100%. got your pose. Yeah. You got your pose. And that is enough. And that is fine because it is doing the things it's supposed to do for you. Yeah. So, you know, when you, so, so that's kind of what it's about for me being in the yoga room is discovering not, you know, oh man, she's, she's just like sliding down into splits and smiling and I feel like an idiot, Yeah. but okay. What part of this pose is really tight for me? What, you know, is it my psoas? Is it my hip flexors? 
what can I do in this pose that will actually make me feel better when I leave the room? Yeah. And will make my CrossFit feel better and will make me, you know, what will enable me to function better? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that we've put good context to this. I think that we can honestly acknowledge that anytime you're in a group situation and you perceive yourself as having less ability or less skill or being different, it can be, it can be difficult. Okay. And also I think that hopefully it's clear that that's self-imposed. There's no, there's no, there's no one in class that is like, oh my God, look at that dude over there. What a loser. (laughs) He's got to have 18 bolsters and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? But we feel that way. So, so it's not enough as a community to be, to say, well, you know, people, well, but people aren't really seeing you like that. Well, we see ourselves like that sometimes. So that's what we have to deal with. Now let's deal with not just the sort of the, the concept and sort of the having empathy for the situation. Let's deal with practicality. Five days a week for 10 years of strength training. Brett, it's going to take some time, brother. <laughs> so that's the big thing, right? That's the big thing to then start to now. So we've had a lot of empathy for Brett, but now we got to sort of flip it. And we have to talk about tough love. Tough love. And actually being respectful of what this practice entails, right? So let's sort of step back. Now, we don't know anything else about anyone in the room that seems to be sliding into splits just fine. And it doesn't matter. But maybe the person next to you that has been sliding into splits has been doing yoga five days a week for 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And if that person walked into your CrossFit gym and they made it a contest with you, You'd say, come on, it don't make this a contest with me. I've been doing this for 10 years, five days a week. So you know that it would be ridiculous for anyone to walk into a CrossFit gym and be like, well, I've been doing this. I've been doing this for a couple of months now. I want to be as strong as, you know, I don't know what they call them, but like the top leader or whatever, whatever it is. So you have to remember that the people that in the are in the yoga room, they aren't just like biomechanically engineered to be more flexible. I mean, although some have more natural flexibility, but maybe they've been doing this training longer with greater discipline, with greater consistency, with greater care. And so therefore their skill level is just higher than yours, right? Um, the other thing to this is, even if we don't compare it to someone else, which we shouldn't ultimately, we just compare it to the amount of time that you have dedicated to one thing compared to the amount of time you have dedicated to the other thing, right? You have spent a ton of time being dedicated to strength training, right? And to hypertrophy and sort of everything that comes with the strength training world, which means if you want to compare your own personal strength training and your skill level there to your skill level in range of motion and yoga postures, you got to be really patient because you've dedicated so much time to one thing, but not nearly as much time to another thing, right? And so it's literally, if you want those things in your experience, your sort of strength training world and your range of motion and sort of the other philosophical dimensions of one of the strength training world and the yoga world, it's going to be some years, right? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's going to be some years of really putting in that time and fleshing that out. And I would say this in terms of practical advice, right? Flip it around, which is if I wanted to strengthen a muscle, what should I do? I should work that muscle to fatigue. I should eat well. I should rest well. And I should then come back and work that muscle to fatigue again. And so the story goes time and time and time again. So you do what you can do and then you let go and then you come back to the same situation and repeat. It's going to be the exact same thing in your yoga practice, which is you're just going to get to go as far as you can go. If you can only go, if your hips have 40 degrees range of motion, then go 40 degrees range of motion. Just like if someone can only bench press 20 pounds 10 times. Well, then that's what they have to do. That's what they have to do. And they have to keep showing up for that and see the value in that. So so you and everyone listening, you have to work with your body as it is. You have to do sort of the maximum scale of intensity that you can do without uh, being aggressive and fostering injury. And then you have to do it time and time and time again and see the value in each little increment. I'll say one more thing too, which is, I say this all the time in Shavasana. In Shavasana, everything nets out. Everything comes out in the wash. Everything does. So there's not, when you do Shavasana, right? Like minute seven, minute eight in Shavasana. There's not some sliding scale of who feels the best and has the greatest amount of benefit based on how strong they were and how flexible they were. The weakest person in the room, the strongest person in the room, the person that's best at arm balances, the person that's lousiest at arm balances, by seven to 10 minutes into Shavasana, they feel pretty much the same, right? Everyone gets more or less an equal benefit by engaging wholeheartedly in the process. So we have to know this, we have to honor this, and we have to appreciate the, uh, that this is how it works. I love that. That's a, that's a great thought. Yeah. There's another thing I want to say, which is I get essentially the essence of this question from teacher trainees all the time. The question is, how do I help people that are really struggling with poses? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's actually really hard. You know, this is sort of a, this is a moment of empathy for all of us yoga teachers out there. It's difficult to help someone that's, is having difficulty in something. Like it's not difficult to help someone that doesn't really need any help, but it is difficult to help someone that needs a lot of help. So the questions that I get all the time in trainings is, how do I do this for someone who has way less range of motion? So it is something that that I know that all of the yoga teachers of the world, or at least the yoga teachers that I work with regularly, they're interested in. We want to be able to help, you know, we want to be able to help students that have less range of motion, and less flexibility. And there's also one more layer to this, which is yoga teachers can do a lot of things, mostly with props to help people who are tighter. And at the same time, we don't need to feel sorry for them. We don't need to feel bad for them. We don't need to sort of feel like, 
you know, I was saying at the beginning, it's difficult to be an outlier, but look, let's flip it again and say, if you went to the gym, if you go to some muscle gym and people are super built and all this stuff and you You could just use me as an example. You're in the- You're lifting your eight to 10 pound weights. Then that's right. You're lifting your eight to 10 pound weights. Like- I wouldn't feel bad for you when I go to the gym. If I, if I see someone doing curls with two pounds, I don't make fun of them. I don't feel bad for them. They're doing what they can do. Yeah. I'm doing what I can do. Someone else is doing what they can do. And part of the yoga practice and part of just maturity in life is not always being able to do what you want every time you want to be able to do it, you know, and building up, building up a high degree of emotional resilience in a situation where you are just willing to work at your own threshold while other people are working at their own thresholds. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's a huge component of it. And it's difficult. I don't know if it's a, I don't want to say it's, I, I almost said it's difficult for men. It's probably difficult for everyone. I don't know if it's particularly difficult for men, but let me finish the thought, which is it's difficult to be sort of good at something and then go do something where you don't perceive yourself to be nearly as good at it. Oh, I can say that that's universal. Yeah, it's universal. You know, because right? for me, it's always been team sports. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like, I love to be in the yoga room. I love to be in the dance room. I love these things where I just can flow through it. You put me on any field and I'm just like, oh boy. Didn't you play NCAA college <laughs> volleyball? Well, I mean, there was that. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, you no. know, I'm so built to play volleyball. Yeah. Um, but right. So like my guess, I mean, in this situation, this is, I keep talking about this situation, but it's still relevant to everyone. Like my guess is that Brett's pretty good at CrossFit. Yeah. And if you're not, I mean, come on, 10 years, <laughs> five days a week and you're still kind of lousy. Come on, He's pick it up a little bit. For punishment. Right. But so the thing is, is like that, but that's part of the shadow side. That's actually part of the shadow side, a big part of the shadow side around self-identification with sort of a single thing, right? When we identify ourselves consciously or unconsciously as I am Jason, I am good at X. Well, then we put ourselves in a situation that is not X, but it's Y, then I'm, then I'm in for it, yeah. right? Because I, I'm not, it's not even about comparing myself to someone else. It's about comparing myself to myself, mm-hmm. you know? And so in some ways, again, the, the more identified and the more skillful you are with something, the more other things that where you're not as good at that thing might set you up for a lot of frustration. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of good work there. There's a lot of actual, in a lot of ways, this is where the real yoga is. Yeah. I, it's, I was just thinking when you were saying that, you know, it's really easy as adults to stick with what we're good at, we're, you know, and I see with raising a child, their children are constantly put into new situations all the time, things that they haven't done before. Yeah. New classes, new sports, new dance, new singing, new this, new friends, new camps. And it's really hard. And when you raise a child, you encourage them to try yeah. and you encourage them to show up and, and keep showing up and just have a good attitude. And Seeing that she has to do that has reminded me like that it's yeah. good to try new things and start new things. I want to say one more thing when you were when you were talking about being a teacher and not feeling bad for, you know, students 
who struggle right. with poses. That's what what I thought about was, you know, in some ways it's it's training for what so many of us, us avoid, right? Which is just being comfortable with other people struggling. Yeah. It's such a human tendency to like want to make people feel better and totally. to want to fix it and totally. to want to like put a happy face on it. And so just witnessing that person kind of struggling and is probably helpful for them. Just yeah. like holding that space and not making totally. a big deal about it. That also makes me think about, I just wanted to mention this. We did a podcast a few weeks ago about manual adjustments. I posted on social media about it and I actually asked the question, are you someone who's really tight and has a lot of restriction and and does it bother you when teachers like bring you props or does it make you feel good? And because that kind of came up in the, in the podcast and granted this, it was a self-selecting audience who commented, but every single person commented that they appreciated when a teacher tried to help them or bring them props that they didn't feel called out or anything right. like that. And I just thought that was really helpful. I had a couple other teachers give some helpful suggestions. You know, one teacher said, I just, I definitely bring props and put them on my mat, my own mat before class, mm. which cues, nice. usually cues everyone else to just go nice. get the same props and Smart. put them on their mat. So that if someone then has to grab that prop during class, they don't feel yeah, yeah, super yeah, yeah. obvious, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's smart. which was smart. And then another one was, and I know you kind of do this verbally all the time, but another Suzanne Haidt said that she will often like demonstrate if she's demonstrating a hard pose, she might then also demonstrate a pose that she can't do at all because of her body proportions. And she'll point yeah, that out yeah. and say like, this is 20 years of yoga practice. Totally. I can't do everything. Totally. So those are just two little things, tips that I got that I thought were so helpful. You remember, of course you remember. One of our friends, I think one of the excellent yoga teacher who used to have a studio in Ojai, Kira Ryder, she had, from what I remember, it's one of these things where maybe my mind has made this up or maybe this is true. Either way, it's a good story. She had written on the side of the blocks at her studio, help. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. And so for like, she would say- If like, you need help yeah, instead if you need of help. if you need a block. Yeah, like that's help. That's so cute. And, and I think about it like this is like, these are the tools of our trade. Right. These are actual tools. And so if you don't need the tool, don't use the tool. Yeah. But if the tool gives you more efficiency, use the tool. Mm-hmm. You know, all physical modalities, going back to CrossFit, like they have tools. Mm-hmm. You know, they got the tires and, you know, whatever it is. It's like those those are tools. And so you have to, in the yoga practice, skill really matters and efficiency really matters. And so you want to make sure that you're using whatever tools and techniques give you some help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Andrea. For the shoulders question, we have a podcast from last summer all about the shoulders and we have a sequence on the blog for neck and shoulders so i'm going to put those links on the show notes page which you can find at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 97 if you're enjoying the podcast please leave an itunes review it's really helpful you can subscribe to our newsletter by going to our homepage jasonyoga.com and you'll find a place to sign up and you'll get all the goods when they're new and up on our on our blog thanks so much for listening until next week enjoy your practice